533. We talk Cowboy football. We welcome in to the program John Machota from The Athletic. John, good afternoon. Appreciate your time today. Oh, no problem at all. Thanks for having me on. Let's, uh, let's start with the, with the Cowboy offense. Uh, a very solid performance last night. Zeke was uh, – Dak, rather, was 21 of 26. Zeke and Pollard combined for 155 yards. Uh, very, very solid performance offensively for the, for the Cowboys last night. Yeah, it was really just carried over from the first two games. It just seems like, uh, you know, you almost say that Dak, Kellen Moore, and, and these offensive weapons can do very little wrong. I'm not going to say no wrong. Clearly the play that gave Philadelphia their first touchdown there with Dak in the end zone and the force fumble that Fletcher Cox, you know, recovered for a touchdown. You don't want to have many of those plays, uh, especially playing against them, a little bit better competition. That can be the difference in some games. But outside of that, you know, Dak's really been taking what – these defenses have given him the first three weeks. And so, you know, Philadelphia was giving him a lot of stuff underneath. I saw Nick Sirianni, uh, their head coach after the game, talking about how, like, you know, uh, he was impressed with what Dak was able to do with – they were going to give him some of the underneath stuff and, and uh, you know, kind of see – you know, they didn't want to give up any big plays. But, you know, Dak still found some ways to make some big plays down the field. And, obviously, when you have the running game like that clicking with Zeke and Tony Pollard, uh, you know, I mean, they're deep at running back right now. They're deep at, at tight end and, and at wide receiver. I mean, they played outstanding football yesterday, and they didn't even have Michael Gallup. You know, they didn't even have their starting right tackle in Lyle Collins, and, and the offense was just, uh, you know, one of the top offenses in the NFL. So when they have everybody, uh, they certainly have the capability, especially with Kellen Moore calling plays, to be, you know, the best offense in the NFL. On those same lines, you look at the Cowboys with 19 first downs and the Eagles only running 18 plays in the first half. Does that just exude confidence on what Kellen Moore's doing, what Dak has and what Kellen Moore's doing, and the entire offense just feeling good about the direction the offense is going right now? Oh, yeah, there's just a lot of positive momentum. I mean, you know, yeah, they take that loss in, in week one, and they don't want to talk about moral victories, but, you know, considering the opponent they did it against in Tampa Bay – uh, you know, that was already kind of the start of like, hey, if they can keep building off this, this this thing should be going, you know, pretty good. And, and I understand that, you know, they didn't blow up and score 40 against the Chargers, but to get that win there uh, against a pretty good defense, that started building momentum a little bit more. And then you get to this Eagles game and, uh, you know, your home opener Monday night and then to play the way they did there. Now we could find out, you know, later on in the year that Philadelphia is terrible. They only win four or five games. And we look back at this game and say it wasn't that big of a deal. But as we see here today, it's a big momentum builder. And then now all of a sudden you go into this Carolina game, they're undefeated, and, and you know, you're playing at home. Uh, everything's headed in the right direction. But that doesn't mean it'll stay there. There's mm-hmm. going to be adversity that hits. There's going to be times in games where the offense isn't clicking, and they're going to have to find different ways to, to you know move the ball. And so that hasn't happened yet. Everything's going great right now, but the NFL, there's just too much parity. That's not just going to roll like that for 17 games. They're going to have to hit some adversity, and they're going to have to respond to that in, in the middle of games. And so uh, that that's the next piece. Uh, but as of right now to these first three games, uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, you've got to be pretty thrilled with what you've seen. John, let's flip it to the other side of the ball, the defensive side of the football. They've got injuries. They've got uh, – they've got uh, – They've got uh, sickness with the, with the COVID situation. They've got people missing on the front end, the back end, linebackers. Yet they found a way. They designed a scheme and found a way to play really well last night. Yeah, they really have. And, and, and again, even same as the offense, it's really been for several weeks. It wasn't like they just had this 
out of nowhere kind of solid performance because it was the home opener. I mean, they've been pretty solid for the most part, and then certainly advantageous when it comes to the takeaways leading the NFL right now with eight through three weeks, and that's certainly something that hasn't been common in Dallas for a long time. And so, uh, you know, it's obviously it's the players on the field making the plays. We just talked to the coordinators a little while ago, and, you know, Kellen Moore was talking about how, you know, it's about the players, guys. I can scheme this stuff up, and, and, and that's and that's fine, but it, if you don't have the players, it doesn't matter, and, it, and the players are the ones that get this done. And so, I'm not going to take. I'm not taking anything away from the defensive players. They've clearly stepped up, but you know the key piece of this whole offseason was Dan Quinn. I mean, he has got them playing with a lot of confidence and got them playing like completely opposite of the way that they played last season. I mean, these guys seem to be bought in. They're not making the, the, the mistakes. They're you know, there's none of these questions about effort. Certainly, adding a guy like Micah Parsons to kind of be this uh, you know chess piece to move around that plays defensive end the last two games, but he's technically a linebacker. I mean, all of this has been great, but it it goes back to Dan Quinn. And, you know, whatever he's selling right now in that meeting room and during the week, these guys are buying into. And, you know, do I think they're going to be a top-10 defense at the end of the year? No, I I don't. But I also don't think they have to be a top-10 defense to be uh, an NFC East champion and and, and to make a run in January. Is that the most important thing, John, right now with Dan Quinn – getting the confidence of this defense. I mean, he can scheme it up all he wants and do the X's and O's, but having them believing in what they're doing, just playing fast and loose and being able to play downhill without thinking too much, I think is the biggest benefit for this team right now. Is that is, is there any truth to that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and part of getting the guys bought in is that you have to come to them during the week with a game plan that they believe in. You have to, you know, you have to give these players jobs that they can execute and be successful and put them in positions to be successful. And I think he's really done that with, I mean, you look at the back end of this defense, you look at guys like J. Ron Curse and DeMonte KZ, and I mean, even Keanu Neal at linebacker before, uh, you know, he got moved to the COVID list uh, recently and missed his last game. Like these are some free agency moves that, you know, didn't exactly blow anybody away, but you look at what they've done so far through these first few games. And you're just like, is this that they just uncovered these, these great free agency secrets or is it because Dan Quinn and the defensive staff is putting these guys in the right situation to make plays I think it's a little bit of both I'm not going to give it all credit to one side or the other but that's the thing like you just see guys making these plays they had Malik Hooker he's made some nice plays you know they draft a guy early third round Osa Digizua uh, who's, mm-hmm. who's been their best defensive tackle I mean you just don't expect that stuff to happen and they, they, you know, you've been getting these type of this type of production, and so because of that, I, again, I think it just goes back. You have to give a lot of this credit to Dan Quinn. Do you make anything of the uh, of the uh, the way the clock was managed at the end of the first half uh, last night? Yeah, I don't think it was great, and I and I and I certainly think it's one of those things where you're you're like, yeah, it, it didn't matter in this game, and uh, you know, last game there was some questionable clock management that ended up, you know. Them, them having to kick a 56-yard field goal, I think that they probably could have gotten closer than that, maybe 10 yards, maybe 15. But, you know, they made the field goal and they won, so you kind of move on. Same thing with this game. They won, and it really wasn't that close, and so you move on. But they are things that you put away in your back pocket, and you're just kind of like, is, is an issue here going to cost them in, like, a bigger game against a better team right? Uh, in a bigger moment? And that's the part where you're just kind of like, uh, well, hopefully they're learning from these things. But, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. I'll put it to you this way. I think about 20, 30 years ago, I think that you'd be easier to move on from this stuff. And the reason why I say that is because there wasn't social media. 
And I think 20, 30 years ago, I don't think there have been many people getting these old clippings of what was being said about Mike McCarthy and Green Bay. <laughs> but when you go on Twitter on a Monday night and these things are happening and your timeline is getting flooded with people that are like, yeah, this went on in Green Bay all the time. This is nothing new. You're just kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, certainly I followed the Packers from afar. I mean, I grew up in, in Detroit, and the Packers have been outstanding for the better part of really three decades. So it's not hard to, to follow them. But when you see this constantly, people talking about, yeah, no, this is what went on here too, you're just kind of like, you know, it kind of makes you kind of raise an eyebrow and be like, yeah, well, let's keep an eye on this. This could be something that ends up being an issue later on. But so far through three games, it hasn't been a major issue. It hasn't been the difference, and, and they are 2-1 and one right now. But uh, it remains to be seen. But, yeah, I mean, certainly it's a win you should be had about that. But you also can ask questions about why things were handled that way. And it also doesn't help when you got a great, like, Peyton Manning on TV questioning it and everybody's watching him on ESPN, too. <laughs> the other thing that we, we, we talked about was, and it, it hasn't hurt yet, is uh, Zerline missed another extra point. Those need to be automatic. And I know they moved them back, but, man, you got to make your extra points. Absolutely. I mean, again, going back to this being a league of parity, like that's fine against an Eagles team that you blow out. And obviously it's fine when you kick a 56 yarder to win the game. Um, but is that going to come back and haunt you against some good teams? Because you're not going to be blowing out the good teams. They're going to be close games like the first two weeks were. And the field, field goal kicker oftentimes can be the difference. You know, uh, I, I'm, I don't know the numbers on it, but I'm sure you go back and there's a significant difference in, in wins uh, by having Justin Tucker be your kicker or Adam Benetieri in, in his prime. I mean, it's it's a big difference. Certainly watching Dan Bailey for, you know, the three or four years that he was so dominant in Dallas, you just, you, you know, you almost took it for granted. And now it's just like, uh, it's not only the shakiness that you feel like, okay, he's missing extra points and things like that, but it's, okay, if you, if you turn away from Greg Zerline, like, what do you think is out there right now? Like, what do you think is, is just waiting? Like, what kickers do you think are out there that you're just like, yeah, we can just plug that guy in and everything will just be clicking? Like, it's not that easy to find quality kickers that you can count on, not only to make your extra points, which should be, you know, they should make all of them, but also to be kicking clutch kicks to win games. I mean, there's just, there's the, you're not just going to pick up a guy off the scrap heap right now that just is sitting at home and, and, and is just going to, you know, be, you know, smooth and everything's going to go fine. So it's like, if you turn your back on Greg Zerline, like there's no guarantee that the next guy you bring in is any better. And so it certainly is a position that you're going to have to keep your eye on. Uh, but as of right now, you know, and it also helps that John Fossil is, I mean, him and Greg Zerline have worked together for a long time. So John Fossil completely believes in him. And as long as that's the case, uh, I don't, I don't see anything changing, but it's certainly something to monitor. Yeah. And when you talk about John Fossil and the special teams, did you think that, as good as the defense is playing right now and as good as the offense is playing right now, that special teams with him at the helm would be maybe the weakest link in this whole thing? Yeah, it's kind of surprising to say it because they were just so improved last year from what we saw the year before that. And, I mean, the year before that, the Cowboys had probably the worst special worst special teams in all of the NFL. And then he, he certainly brought them back to respectability last year. I mean, made him one of the top special teams units. And so, uh, yeah, there's been some questionable decisions over there, but – uh, I think all in all, let the season play out. We'll see where that goes. But I, I, I think that it's an improvement of where they've been. And to be honest with you, if you just if you just eliminate some of the uh, bold moves and some of the you know bringing guys after the punter instead of just like hey, just let this offense this offense is loaded. Just let them get the ball and see what they can do with it. You take away some of that. I, I really don't have too many too many concerns about that part of the game. John, what do you got coming up uh, in the athletic? 
Yeah, you know, I, I was debating it going in today about if I was going to write offense or defense, and I'm still kind of torn a little bit because, you know, I might actually end up just writing about both of them for Wednesday because both coordinators were good today, and, and, and both sides of the ball are the reason they're winning. You can't just give it to one side or the other. And in 14 and 16, you know, obviously it was leaning towards the offense, and the offense is better than the defense right now. I don't think there's any question about it. But the defense has really kept them in these games, and, and they've exceeded expectations. So uh, probably write a little bit about the defense for Wednesday, but I don't know. I'm still I'm still debating. Up <laughs> well, we look forward to the read tomorrow, I, I, I can assure you. Hey, man, we appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. No problem, guys, anytime. Talk to you soon. John Machota from uh, The Athletic covering the Cowboys. Uh, and, and